You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. sportscom network with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show, as always, brought to you by Peterbrook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard, North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa, right next door to Southern Ale House. You know that, Quinella. You know that duo, dynamic duo there. Peterbrook Chocolatier, where tomorrow, the last of your Gelato July Wednesdays, set to take place 10 a.m to 8 p.m those are your store hours wednesday tomorrow free cup of gelato if you swing by peterbrook chocolatier the last of those in this gelato july joined on the program as always by executive producer joe gaither who together we combine to form the six of sports talk radio Joe Gaither, I see where your guy, Eddie Goldman, your big defensive tackle for the Chicago Bears, is among the slew of NFL players we're hearing from so far today that have opted out for the 2020 season. How does that How does that resonate with you, Joe Gaither? Well, as a selfish fan, I'd love to see him play, but I respect his decision. I mean, it's a weird time for everybody, and I'll just clue you in on a tidbit. I'm expecting two or three more, maybe even Nick Foles being among the sitters. Oh wow! Wow, Mitch, Mitch isn't sitting. I can promise you that. Yeah, Mitch is going to win that job by default. <laughs> Eddie Goldman, though, man, the former Florida State star. Interesting story, I think. Anyway, probably CSB to everybody else, right? Cool story, bro. You know, weddings are crazy because you never know who you're going to meet. You know, it brings together so many strangers at these weddings. I actually met what is the equivalent of Eddie Goldman's in-laws at a wedding in Green Cove Springs, Florida, a couple of uh, months ago. But uh, he's been a good pro so far. He was one of those very top recruits there, kind of in the Jimbo Fisher era at Florida State, when Florida State was actually going to places like New Jersey and national like Alabama and taking some of the top 10 or 15 prospects in the country on an annual basis out of different areas. Eddie Goldman was one of those guys, but we are seeing a big number of opt-outs in the National Football League today. Already seeing three former Alabama players 
make that decision. Dante Hightower, chief among them. Dante set to make $8 million in base salary for the 2020 season. He is the proud new papa. He and his fiance Morgan Hart, of a brand-new baby boy that they welcomed just a couple weeks ago. So there's some background there, um, some pre-existing issues family-wise involving Dante that I think he's considering as well. Uh, but Dante contractually had the potential this season to make up to $10 million for the season, incentives included in that. Um, Chance Warmack, former Alabama offensive lineman Andre Smith, former Alabama offensive lineman, the two other Alabama alums today that have made it known that they will not participate in the 2020 NFL season. Now, Andre and Chance, I believe they were on veteran minimum contracts. Um, So sensible in some ways that they would go ahead and opt out. There are two different tiers that the NFL is willing to pay in terms of what's being worded as a stipend. Some folks are sort of refuting the terminology there because apparently this is money that is an advance on your salary. Uh, If you are considered high risk for COVID-19, you can earn $350,000 for the season uh, in 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 an opt-out fee. If you are not considered high risk, you're looking at $150,000. Apparently, though, uh, the contracts and years can be rolled over to next season. So I'm not exactly sure how this is going to impact salary cap and service time and all those things for these guys and these teams. But uh, what you need to know is you've had six New England Patriots already today uh, make it known, or in the last couple of days, make it known that they will not participate. Now Bill Belichick's got everybody thinking, what's Bill up to? What's the hoodie up to? Is the hoodie orchestrating all this tank for uh, tank for Trevor? Uh, what what what's this all about? He's got him thinking once again. Bill Belichick up there in New England. So we'll see how this continues to play out. We'll see if it continues to have an impact on the uh, on the college game. We haven't seen much of it to this point. I know Rayvon Bonner, running back from Illinois, you heard from here in the last twenty four hours, is going to opt out of the upcoming season. And there are so much to sort of figure out here in these next couple of days. You got the ACC set to meet. You've got the SEC presidents set to meet virtually on Thursday. So we've got kind of this batting order of conferences, specifically power five leagues that are still out there with undetermined slates for the upcoming college football season. Of course, we'd already heard from the big, uh, the Big Ten, and the Pac-12. So we know those leagues are going conference only. Uh, We'll start to hear more, you would think, beginning with the ACC tomorrow. Going to talk with Brent Beard about this coming up in just a little bit, by the way. Brent, as we do on Tuesdays, going to go around college football with us. Notre Dame, a central figure in this ACC discussion, man. Boy, Notre Dame, whatever you think of Notre Dame, they sustain it, don't they? You know? limp into some national championship games and some college football playoffs here in the last eight years and get just absolutely blown out. But you still got some leagues out there that'll bend over backward, bend over backward for the fighting Irish, for the brand for Notre Dame. So we'll see how that works out with Notre Dame 
and the ACC. Um, you had Major League Baseball. We were worried about that yesterday, Joe Gaither. We were worried about, speaking of sustainability, on the heels of the breakout uh, of the COVID-19 virus among the Miami Marlins from over the weekend up in Philadelphia. What's the number up to now? Is it 17 total Marlins, like 15 players now, and two coaches who have tested positive? You know, what's that team going to look like moving forward? You know, Pops. Pops is a big Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp fan, and that's the double-A team of the Miami Marlins. Maybe, maybe the Marlins just call up the Jumbo Shrimp. You know, keep it all about the ocean life, perhaps. But uh, I think the Phillies and the Yankees, once again, were scheduled to play today in Philly, where the Marlins uh, were over the weekend. And those games have been postponed to this point. You did see the Braves go to go stay on the road, go from New York City to Tampa Bay. That was a rough one last night for the Braves, man. I couldn't hang in there with that. Got to about nine to one raise. I started flipping the dial a little bit. You know, I talked about this with Gary Harris on his show in the last half hour, but 19 strikeouts for the Braves last night. And I know that's a big number. That's a big, big number. But that's Major League Baseball now, too. You know, the Devil Rays last night got home runs from, they got like four home runs last night, eight total base hits, I think it was. For the uh, for the Devil Rays last night, you had Hunter Renfro, the former Mississippi State Bulldog, with a couple of the bombs for the Rays down there at the Trop. By the way, I thought the Trop, I thought it actually looked better just totally empty, you know, rather than just sort of a sprinkling of fans here and there throughout the outfield bleachers and kind of in the uh, in the grandstand area. I, I thought it just looked better, just nobody in there. Thought it actually looked better. Someone who didn't look better last night for the Braves, uh, Mike Fultonavich. He kind of saw this coming. You know, last week we talked about it. Fulty in that summer camp finale against the Marlins got shelled pretty good. That velocity continues to be down in the upper 80s, around 89. This is a guy who at one time, not too long ago, was pretty much living, sitting around 96 miles per hour. And uh, so last night, with that decreased velo, once again, he only goes three and a third, gives up six earned runs, three bombs, and really the second time through the lineup, man. If you're sort of a guy who counts on just throwing hard and you're not much in terms of command and location, you're the anti-Tom Glavin. Um the anti-Maddox, anti-Greg Maddox, and you go from getting it up there at 96, 97, and now you're hitting 89 on the gun, and you don't know how to really locate the baseball, you can't command your fastball, it's going to be tough. And unfortunately for Fulty, that's kind of where he's he's at right now. It's tough for a guy whose fastball once topped out, again, in the upper 90s, to sustain after he loses seven miles per hour on average with his heater. And uh, you just can't challenge hitters with velo like you used to. And again, the 19 strikeouts, I'm not as worried about that as much looking at this team. They're going to strike out, you know. 
They still hit a couple home runs last night. Still good to see Dansby Swanson stay hot, have some carryover from Sunday night. And that five RBI performance against the Mets hits a home run early in the game last night. So, uh, you know, this is kind of the way it is in Major League Baseball right now. Devil Rays had a big night at the plate, struck out 12 times. You know, but again, you have eight extra base hits and five home runs. Nobody talks about it. So now for the Braves, the continued concern is that starting rotation. Once you get past, once you get past Soroka and you get past Freed, um, you know, Sean Newcomb Sunday night didn't inspire any confidence. Can't command the baseball. Last night you got what you got from Fulte. You designate him for assignment. He's done. So Kyle Wright, step on up tonight. Let's see what you've got. And look, how much hope do you really have that a 36-year-old Cole Hamels at this point is going to be able to get over his injury issue, that triceps issue, and at some point, maybe a month and a half from now, jump in there and give you some quality starts? I think you got what you pretty much got. Now, offensively, you can still roll with just about anybody in Major League Baseball, but that pitching, that pitching is going to continue to be a concern. We're going to step aside to our first break. When we come back, it'll be time for Brent Beard to go around the Southeastern Conference and beyond. A big, big stretch in defining the 2020 college football season is upon us. We'll go through all of that and more with Brent Beard of College Sports Today and First Coast News when Southern Fried Sports, presented by Peterbrook Chocolatier, returns on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. Mostly cloudy with a few showers and thunderstorms likely this afternoon and tonight. The high today, 89. Tonight's low, 72. Tomorrow and Thursday, mostly cloudy with a good chance of showers and thunderstorms both days. Highs in the mid-80s between 84 and 87. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show is always brought to you by Peterbrook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. It's been kind of an opt-out Tuesday in football. We've seen it both on the collegiate level and the Big Ten up there at the University of Illinois. More so Again, as we talked about earlier in the National Football League, now three former Alabama players choosing to opt out the 2020 NFL season. So uh, let's get more into some college football talk with our good pal Brent Beard of College Sports Today and First Coast News as we do each and every Tuesday right here on the program. Brent, glad to know you didn't opt out of the program today. You're with us. We'll tell you. I am. I am, and uh, we'll we'll be for as long as we can do it. So, uh, listen, this is a it's a big week, isn't it, isn't it, Trav? Uh, as the conferences 
uh, are either going to be making decisions or they're going to be very close to making decisions as far as their scheduling model. Yeah, let's go through sort of. It's almost like a batting order, isn't it? Um, in terms <laughs> really of is. <laughs> who we're expecting to hear from, when we're expecting to hear from them. Uh, still a lot of stuff that is very much fluid, as we like to say in situations like this. I guess the ACC tomorrow and then the SEC yeah. on Thursday, is that sort of the lineup that we're anticipating, Brent? Yes, that's correct. And the the thing about the ACC is they're pretty definite, Trav. They're basically saying that they're going to meet uh, on Wednesday and during that time that they will uh, pretty well have a definitive decision on what they want to do. Even some of their uh, athletic directors are saying that. Uh, that and, and obviously the thing they've got to decide uh, is what, where and uh, how much does Notre Dame figure in this? So that so yes, your first domino will be tomorrow with the ACC. Yeah, at this point, let's just give Notre Dame its own division in the ACC. <laughs> what what do we have? We have the Coastal, the Atlantic, I believe, or, or the, is that the two divisions, yeah. the Atlantic and the Coastal? Let's just have the ACC Catholic for yeah. uh, Notre Dame. Just That's give Notre right. Dame its own division. I mean, Notre Dame seems like it's pretty much calling all its own shots with the ACC as it is. Brent, just give give the Irish its own damn division over there. Uh, uh, listen, I'm sure you cackled about this like I did when there were uh, stories on Twitter about, will Notre Dame be left in the cold? Yeah, uh, right. Uh, so, and, 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 and I've gotten these questions, and I'm sure you have too, is, well, so I guess this means that Notre Dame will be a part of a conference now, right? Well, the answer to that is no. Uh, is, uh, and listen, you and I, Trev, we, you and I have been talking about this since, what, the early 90s, in that Notre Dame's going into conference any day. Look, uh, Notre Dame's going to do what's right for Notre Dame, and it's worked for them to be independent. And the truth of the matter is, Trav, at this point, uh, unless uh, something unforeseen happens, uh, they will be independent after 2022. And still may be allowed to compete for the conference title, yeah, though. That's in right. The ACC in yeah. 2020. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. The ACC. Wow. You are the. You are the sidecar for Tony Soprano, you know, and the Sopranos or something at this point. Oh, the ACC. Now, what about the SEC? What's your expectation going into Thursday? Do you think we'll hear much from that virtual meeting of the major domos around conference, Brent? Uh, Do you think the SEC, like the ACC, already pretty much has a plan in place, or is this still very much up for discussion? I think they've got a plan. Matter of fact, I think they've got multiple plans. And again, you never quite know what presidents and chancellors are going to do. But and, and frankly, I think this is a time where Sankey is going to have to show some real leadership with these presidents. Uh, I think they've been working on this for a while. He and the ads. Uh, so now I don't know if you they will announce immediately what they've decided to do. It may actually be a day or two or, or maybe even in the next week. But uh, I think once the ACC domino gets going, uh, when they've got their uh, model, uh, and I think what these models are going to be, I still see this stuff about playing 12 games. Um, I, I don't yeah. buy 
I don't buy that's going to happen, Trav, and I'm guessing you probably don't either. Uh, but 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 I think what we're going to see in these conferences is an eight plus one or an eight plus two or something similar. Um, is that how you see that too? Yeah, I would think so. You know, and BYU could basically be the Notre Dame equivalent for the yeah. SEC. Yeah, I really could because BYU needs so many games. Um, you know, we could have the, the SEC Mormon if we're going to have the ACC Catholic, you know, just add a new division, new outpost That's right. of the SEC. But um, it's going to be fascinating. And, and, and I agree. And I know here in the in, this morning, I guess we're learning that uh, there's been a waiver granted for pretty much everybody. If they want to play zero week, which is August, yeah. the weekend of yeah. August the yeah. 29th now, you are uh, you're allowed to do that. If Alabama wants to play its first game of the season on August the 29th, that window is now open to all of FBS football, is my understanding, Brent. But when people hear that, they're going to think, well, they're going to try to get 12 games in. I think there's flexibility being put in place just to hopefully maybe get 10. If you can get 12, great. But is that how you kind of see that? Yeah, yes. Uh, and frankly, with week zero games, in other words, Southern Illinois is playing Kansas. Uh, Missouri State uh, is at Oklahoma with Petrino, by the way. That that should be interesting. But but, but the point is, Travis is right but because um, I, I think what's happening here, it's not necessarily 12 games, but it's if we, if we can get an early game in and then we may end up not playing again for, what, two or three weeks for one reason or another. I, I think that's what that is as much as anything else. I think it's a TV situation. Trev, I talked to a, a mutual friend of ours yesterday who deals with a lot of television people, and what we, we talked about that TV really has two things in mind. One is they want to at least get a handful of games every weekend, right? right. Uh, and, and two, the other thing is television has probably got a threshold that that, that they are looking at uh, particularly in a in a conference like that, let's take the SEC for instance. Uh, obviously, they want to play ten games, but for for the TV purpose, that threshold that I was told maybe anywhere from what Trav six to eight, something like that, that they at least want to get that many games in in case you just have some weekends where you've got an outbreak and, and you can't play. You know, my suggestion half-jokingly about a month ago was to put the top four teams in college football in a bubble in Dallas and just let them play <laughs> yeah. every weekend. Just give us a doubleheader every weekend right. of Ohio right. State, Clemson, Alabama. You can pick whoever you want fourth. I know sure. I got some sure. about including Georgia in my four. <laughs> right. You know, people talk about Notre Dame or Oklahoma. Oklahoma. I say put I, – I would put in that scenario – the winner of the Army-Navy game in there. So Navy would be my fourth team. And biggest reason for that is Navy runs that triple option, and I would just love to see the other three coaches lose their mind yeah. on a weekly basis trying to get ready for that triple option attack in that type of scenario. But in all seriousness, how are we looking at this from 10,000 feet now from the Power 5 perspective? Because we already know what the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are going to do with right. conference-only schedules. What type of variants are we talking about now as we've sort of outlined expectations for the ACC, the SEC potentially, and also the Big 12 in this discussion well, as well? Well, let me say the Big 12 has said that they might wait two more weeks 
Okay, I'm going to translate that and say uh, the Big 12 is waiting on to see what the SEC in particular and the ACC is going to do before they make a decision. Uh, did you did you translate it the same way, Trev? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I, you know, I, there's a lot of sort of waiting and seeing kind of who's going to make the first move. It seems like right. Brent is, is that what you're getting? Who's yes. going to, yes. who's going to step out there first? Uh, right. We already saw it with the big 12, big, Tw- big 10 and pack 12, but now with these other dominoes, it, it almost has a feel to it. Uh, well, and see, I think another thing going on with the big 12 is you've got uh, some intriguing games, uh, LSU, Texas, uh, you've also got Tennessee, Oklahoma. I, I, I think with their TV partners, and again, we're not saying this is going to happen, but I, I've, I've, I've got to guess they would love to get those games in uh, from a uh, advertising and television uh, point of view if they could do that. You know, it, it, you're right. TV, and I talked about this last week with Cecil Hurd, and you know ESPN's all up in the middle oh, of yeah, all this. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, ESPN owns the bowl system, for crying out loud, and, and, and is very much an equitable partner in, in college football. Uh, there's no doubt about that. So I thought it was interesting, too. I know you noted this. Gary Stoken of the Chick-fil-A uh, Bowl and also the, of course, the, pre, the the early season games that you see in Atlanta every year between the SEC and primarily the ACC in those games. Um, he said recently that there's no way they can play the three games over in Atlanta, I guess, early in the season this year without fans because that's the revenue for yeah. his for his entity, and that just tells you, though, I guess how much of the check that teams that play in those games get from ESPN. Oh, yeah, there's no doubt about that. And, again, people may forget this, but you've got uh, North Carolina-Auburn, you've got uh, West Virginia-Florida State, and you've got Georgia-Virginia. Now, now again, uh, all three could be played. None of them could be played, or maybe one of them could be played. And, and And, again, the thing... To me, Trav, the thing that's also involved with that is uh, it, what would be uh, the College Football Hall of Fame is up there. And, and look, you and I have talked about this before. In neutral site games, some of these may go away. I mean, we may we may not see a bunch of them in Charlotte anymore, but we will continue to see neutral site games in Jerry's world, and I think particularly we'll continue to see it in Atlanta. And, Trev, if I'm not mistaken, Bama plays Miami there next year, right? Yeah, yeah. I think Dallas is sustainable. We yes. talked about this before. Atlanta is sustainable. I think there's going to be a game in Charlotte next year because you got Georgia and Clemson. Absolutely. I, that, that one's getting played. Now, beyond yeah. that, we'll see. But, you know, Orlando, I don't know. Jacksonville. Um, Jacksonville, Houston, where yeah. we see these games, it will be. It'll be an interesting part of the fallout that no doubtably, uh, undoubtedly is going to uh, occur in the wake of all this. Now, also, we talked about no news being good news this time of year, uh, and that applies to programs individually as well. Typically, you're getting news uh, in July. You, you probably aren't liking it. It appears that's been the case here recently for Tennessee, a couple of off-the-field incidents uh, and then most recently over at Ole Miss, where it sounds like, Brent, uh, the Rebels could be, we'll see, let this situation play out over there, could be without 
one of its top two or three defenders on its entire roster. Yeah, Sam Williams, their defensive lineman, who's a senior, he's been arrested on sexual battery. Uh, and again, uh, an eight-game starter uh, last year. Now, listen, and, and, and we understand the climate, and there there is never any excuse for this, but they will let the the court system run its K run its course here and then decide what to do. But Trev, I've got to believe in, in today's environment. I, I, and again, I, I rarely ever say never, but I would be very surprised if Sam Williams is back with Ole Miss anytime soon. Yeah, it was very swift with, uh, Emmett good, I guess up in uh, Tennessee it was. and a felony domestic assault charge a couple weeks ago. Uh, Sam Williams, he's a really, really impactful player. He is a guy that I broke down the top five opposing edge rushers on Alabama's upcoming schedule. And I had Sam Williams uh, in that top five, uh, junior college transfer guy that coming out of the junior college ranks pretty heavily pursued, ended up at Ole Miss. I believe he's a state of Alabama guy originally. Um, so yeah, you're right. We'll wait and see how that process carries itself out with Williams and, the Rebels. Uh, speaking of in-state prospects who are in the transfer portal, it's like Texas A&M has a couple of those guys right now, Brent. Yeah, yeah, uh, they've had a lot of uh, talk about that at this point. Uh, Tank Jenkins uh, is now in the transfer portal, uh, and James Foster uh, is also the same thing. Uh, the, the interesting thing is both those guys are cousins. Uh, you don't you don't see that all the time. Uh, now Foster was their third string quarterback, so he's probably seen the uh, uh, the writing on the wall at this point uh, along that line. And they've also had uh, Leon O'Neill that has announced. Oh, I'm sorry that he had announced earlier. So yes, yeah, so they've had several uh, several guys did. Is that uh, Trev? Is this uh, is this roster management? Shall we say? on the part of Jimbo Fisher at this point, I wonder. Yeah, I think there's more than a little bit of that going on right now. You're trying yeah. to get to that 85 with the no uh, incoming class coming in. And, you know, there are now rules against just straight up running kids off. So, uh, you know, typically it's a process that's mutual. And I think the the host school at the time, there there's a lot of weight these days on coaches and programs that guys are leaving, uh, you know, to get that assistance to find that next spot. And uh, that's why you also see in a lot of instances with guys like that, they get those automatic waivers. They get their waivers cleared because yeah, they were oh, essentially yeah. run off. They're called runoff waivers yes. at this point. Yeah, yeah, and yes. so, you know, that could be the case with a couple of these guys that we're talking about as well. Talking with Brent Beard of College Sports Today and First Coast News on a Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports Presented by Houston Hydrosteam. Before we get out of here, uh, Brent, uh, I just got to ask you, I know you're down there in Dan Mullen's neck of the woods. Can Dan Mullen get a few more grad transfers or a few more transfers in general? That seems to be Dan's method of operandi. He is a big transfer guy at this point, and he also seems to have an affinity for transfers from the University of Georgia, Brent. Yeah, yeah, and uh, well, and again, this is more rumor than it is anything right now. Devon Wilson, who left Georgia, uh, there was some talk about uh, him maybe going to Florida. Uh, he has come back and said that uh, on Twitter uh, 
uh, that that nothing is set for that as of this point. Now, Brenton Cox uh, transferred from Georgia uh, to Florida. Uh, Georgia really was not in a hurry to keep him around uh, for various reasons with that. So, uh, yes, uh, he has had his share of that. And Travis, the door has swung the other way. Deontay Marks is transferred to Ole Miss. He was a redshirt freshman wide receiver. So there's no question about that. Uh, I mean, Florida has had their uh, share uh, of those at this point. Lorenzo Lingard from uh, from Miami uh, is transferred to Florida, and they're looking at him as being uh, maybe their bell count running back, frankly, at least giving him a um, maybe more of a home run threat. So, yes, uh, Florida and transfers, uh, transferring in and transferring out right now, Trav, is, uh, it depends on what day it is almost. Yeah, Dan, he likes those transfers, you know. And uh, it's a little bit of consternation, I sense, from that fan base down there. Too many of those kids uh, not ending up in Gainesville to their liking, and uh, too many especially making their way out of state to places like right here in Tuscaloosa, Alabama with the Crimson Tide. Well, Brent, as always, great stuff, and we always appreciate you joining us here on the program. Look forward to you each and every Tuesday. We'll do it again next week, my friend. We'll be getting ready for some camp talk. How about that? Uh, some t- camp talk. i tell you one thing. Uh, for nuts and bolts talk, I would love that. But again, Trav, as we both know, it's going to be a big week this week for decisions, yeah. is it not? Tentative. Tentative camp talk. That's right. Is what we're expecting <laughs> next week. There you go. Thanks a lot, Brent. My pleasure, pal. Take care. There goes Brent Beard. Give him a follow on Twitter if you haven't already. At Brent Beard. B E A I R D. Back with more of a Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after. Tom. You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with BamaOnline.com senior analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. same sort of demographic as OK Boomer here, that uh, comedy for all time, Chevy Chase, Bill Murray, the late great Rodney Dangerfield, outstanding flick, man, great stuff, holds up today, can still watch it today through its entirety, if you put it on the cable right now. There's a good chance I'm going to be captivated for the two hours that follow. 40th anniversary, the release of Caddyshack. That is your playlist theme on a Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports. Again, the show brought to you by Houston Hydrosteam, home of the Houston Flooring Revival, the Rug Revival at 
9460. I think a Houston Hydra Steam, almost like a good dry cleaner with your clothes. You can extend the life of your rugs, your carpets, your upholstery, your tile and grout simply by enlisting this great, great services of Houston Hydra Steam. 205 553 9460. That's going to put you in touch with Jackie and his outstanding crew, locally owned. Locally operated Houston Hydrosteam quality work you can stand on. Starting to see the Big Ten sort of rear its head once again in relation to expectations for the 2020 college football season. You know, we couldn't let the ACC do its thing tomorrow and the SEC do its thing on Thursday. No. Ohio State has to jump out there again, right? Kind of give you some updates on what it is anticipating for the upcoming season. And with that, Ohio Stadium for the 2020 college football season. Ohio State announced just moments ago capacity at Ohio Stadium limited to 20%. That number continues to go down, doesn't it? Seemed like it was going to be 50% there for a while there in the great state of Texas. Remember, not so long ago, the Texas governor came out and said, hey, we're going to allow up to 50% at these sporting events. Uh, then it seemed to back up to the University of Texas saying that they anticipated 30% for University of Texas home games there in Austin. And now we're down to 20% at Ohio State. And that's locked in at OSU. 20% Ohio Stadium, if you're wondering, total capacity of the venue, 104 k so what are we talking about? Somewhere in the neighborhood of 21,000 per game for Ohio State football? That's that's on July. What's the date, Joe Gaither? The 28th? Is this the 28th today? There you go. See? I knew I got that right. It's always good to get the date right. Um, so on July the 28th, Ohio State is saying 20% capacity. Oof. And that kind of tells me, you know what's next? If you were initially thinking 50, then maybe you went down to 30. Now you're down to 20 on July the 28th. I think we all know what's probably next if the 20% doesn't hold up, right? I think we're probably talking about zero. So uh, we're just learning that from Ohio State here in the last 15 or 20 minutes. Mask will be required of the 20% that are able to occupy Ohio Stadium. There will be limited concessions, no tailgating uh, on the premises of uh, Ohio State uh, University. This announced by the Ohio State University here in the last few moments. Uh, Other stuff that we wanted to get to with you on a Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports. You know, NFL camps are set to open here in the coming days, and I was talking with a, a, a team rep, someone who works more in operations for an NFL team. And we talk so much about testing procedures and things like that. Well, I asked this person, again, works more in an operational role, you know, not a coach, not a player, but does work in connection with the coaching staff quite closely with the players, you know, has that sort of interaction in this role. Um, this person will test every day, every day this person walks into the stadium 
where he, he does his work. He'll be tested for COVID-19 every day through August the 2nd. And then, pending where the club, where the league is at on August the 2nd, uh, which is you know pretty much headed into next week, next Monday, how things go through this Sunday, uh, then it will decrease to twice per week. And we'll see how it goes from there. But that's what you're looking at in terms of the National Football League with camps getting underway, players reporting. Um, that's what you're looking at in terms of testing just for just for individuals in operational roles, uh, you know, moving forward. And, you know, we didn't talk about this yesterday, but J.B. and Davis, uh, the redshirt sophomore from uh, University of Alabama's men's basketball program, has transferred back home to his home state of Mississippi and he will enroll at Mississippi State University. We're just going to have to set up the Tuscaloosa trolley at this point to have a stop and start bill, aren't we? These Alabama transfers to Mississippi State, you had Scott Lashley take the grad transfer route, former Alabama offensive tackle. Scott also a Mississippian. So he's headed to play for Mike Leach and the Bulldogs. Tyrell Shavers takes the grad transfer route the wide receiver from Texas, previously of Alabama. He, too, now a Mississippi State Bulldog. And now Javian Davis set to uh, head to Starkville and play for Ben Howland. There you go. Javian Davis did some good things, man. Between his first year at Alabama and his second year, physically made some decided changes to his body and really tried to fit what Nate Oates likes to do especially on the offensive end. That's tough, though. You know, you're kind of a back-to-the-basket post. You're a rebounder, a pretty good defender. And, you know, Nate Oates wants pretty much everybody on the floor to be able to space the court, spread the floor. Uh, and that means even if you're a four or five in his way of playing basketball, you need to be at least a threat from the perimeter facing the bucket with the perimeter jump shot. So, Probably a good move uh, in terms of how he's going to fit what Mississippi State likes to do, perhaps more so than what was going on now at Alabama. Going to step aside for a final break. When we come back, we'll put a wrap on a Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. Mostly cloudy with a few showers and thunderstorms likely this afternoon and tonight. The high today 89, tonight's low 72. Tomorrow and Thursday, mostly cloudy with a good chance of showers and thunderstorms both days. Highs in the mid-80s between 84 and 87. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app.
100.9 FM. Travis Ryder, senior analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. It just gets weirder and wilder in the wake of this really ongoing situation involving the Miami Marlins. The Athletic now reporting that the Washington Nationals the majority of the Washington Nationals have voted not to go to Miami to play the Marlins this weekend. Crazy, crazy stuff. I mean, are we getting to the point, Joe Gaither? I think we're getting to the point where we just award the division to the Atlanta Braves. That's all that's going to be left of the NL East. Yeah, you may as well. I mean, you got the Phillies right now on pause after hosting the Marlins. You got the Marlins pretty much decimated by positive tests, COVID-19. You got the Nationals not wanting to play the Marlins. So all you basically have left, right, are the Mets and the Braves. The Braves took two out of three from the Mets over the weekend, Joe. I think we're good here. I think that's it. Yeah, wrap it up. Write it in in the record books. Atlanta Braves, 2020. NL East champs, you know, took us four games, four game season. The Braves maybe the uh, default option from the NL East at this point. I'll tell you something that keeps right on rolling along. And I think I love golf. I think you all know that by now. Really enjoyed having Matt Hughes on yesterday. Talk about his his best friend, Michael Thompson, and that career defining win that Slick had up there in Minnesota over the weekend on PGA Tour at the 3M Open. Um, But why you'll continue to see and hear more about pro golf from me in the coming weeks and in the previous weeks to this point is because I'm not sure if that's not all we're going to have come November at this point. I'm I'm not, look, I'm not beaten down to the point, all right, where I'm making any calls about football. I'm just saying I'm crediting pro golf more than I am anything else. And pro golf absolutely has built-in advantages when it comes to social distancing and things like that. But you still got guys traveling all over the United States. So it's not a bubble sport, and they're still making it happen. And also, you got all these Alabama guys in professional golf these days. And you're going to have more and more at the highest level. The PGA Tour next year, you're going to have Davis Rowley. You're likely going to have Lee Hodges. You know Mike Th- Michael Thompson is good for the next two years after that win over the weekend. You know Justin Thomas is going to be there. Bud Cauley. And you've got two events on the PGA Tour this week because you got the WGC up in Memphis. And then you've got the secondary event, the Barracuda Championship out in the Lake Tahoe area. I mean, you got Justin Thomas and Michael Thompson up in Memphis this week. And then out in Lake Tahoe, you're going to have Bud Cauley. You're going to have Jason Bone, former Alabama golfer. Great story with Jason Bone back in the day, how he pretty much got his start in professional golf out at the old UA golf course. There was a $1 million hole-in-one contest out there. Jason Bone made a hole-in-one, won a million dollars. And I think that pretty much funded his – and he had to make the decision at that time because he was a UA student, I believe – to take the million or maintain his eligibility. Well, he took the million. I would have too. I mean, because this is years ago. Um, 
and, and basically got his professional career started that way. Dickie Pride is still out there banging around. So in the Barracuda Championship, you're going to have Bud Cauley, Dickie Pride, Jason Bone. Interesting, Dickie Pride essentially as an alternate yesterday got Michael Thompson's spot because Michael Thompson was set to play in Lake Tahoe, but then he wins over the weekend, and that pushes him up into the WGC event, which opened a spot in Tahoe, which Dickie Pride is going to fill now. How about that? I mean, it's, Alabama golf is everywhere. The LPGA Tour as well, pretty good presence. Um, but, I, I, I'm yeah, I'm all about the PGA Tour, man. They're hanging in there. Also, in NBA-related news, uh, Kyra Lewis and John Petty invited to the 2020 NBA Draft Combine. That's the good news. The bad news to this point is we don't know exactly if there will be a combine. So as you continue to wait as an Alabama fan for a decision from John Petty, um, the NBA draft withdrawal deadline is next Monday. So that's that's the date you keep an eye on. But the NBA at this point doesn't know if there will be a combine, and if there is, perhaps it's virtual. Uh, the draft, by the way, right now is set for October the 16th. So some uh, some important dates to keep in mind as you await that decision from John Petty and whether or not he comes back for his final year as a member of the Alabama men's basketball program. That's going to do it. I think we're good here on a Tuesday. As always, appreciate Brent Beer joining us here on the program. A lot of fun with Brent. Always great insight where college football is concerned. Joe Gaither and his crew there in the production studio at Tide 100.9 FM doing an outstanding job as always. It is a Tuesday, so where the lunch whistle is concerned, you know I'm going to talk about Heat Pizza Bar down there at Government Plaza. Outstanding pies every day, specials every day for you down there at Heat Pizza Bar. It is a Tuesday, so the personal favorite, the Thai Chicken Pizza. Oof, great, great stuff. The Thai Chicken Pizza on Tuesdays, just 7 bucks starting at 6 p.m. You've got takeout hours on this Tuesday. Give them a call at 205-632-3282. They'll get you taken care of. Frank, Will, the rest of the great staff there at Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa, at Government Plaza. Until 11 a.m. on Wednesday. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, everybody.